0: All across America and around the world, this is Veterans Radio. This is Veterans Radio. And now, your host for today's program, Dale Thronberry.
1: And welcome to Veterans Radio. My name is Dale Throneberry, a CW-2 helicopter pilot, Vietnam, 1969. want to welcome you to our program. This is our benefits program. We've kind of taken a little hiatus from benefits over the last couple of months because of Thanksgiving and Christmas. But we are back today, and we are here to answer your questions about either VA health care and or disability claims. So... If you want to give us a call, you can do that here in uh, Ann Arbor. It, the number is 734-822-1600. 734-822-1600. And I should remind everybody that uh, our benefits program is normally the last Sunday of every month. And for those of you that are uh, listening to this program pre-recorded, you can send us your questions by email before then and we will try to answer them so you can pick it up cuz i know that our program is on in california tomorrow morning and then in in uh, minnesota next saturday morning and so it's kind of tough plus we are of course are we uh, have it on uh, um what are we doing we do a podcast that's right we do we upload it to our podcasts as well so if you're not able to listen to the program as I mentioned before, send us an email, a text, anything, you, wherever you, whatever your question is, and we will try to add it to our list of uh, questions at the end of each month. So as I mentioned before, this is Benefits Month, and we do have a couple of interesting new guests, actually. We're going to talk about a special suicide prevention program that the VA has set up uh, across the country, and I, I, I know specifically here in the Ann Arbor area. So we'll be having uh, Matthew Rod on here shortly. And then, of course, we've got General Carol Ann Falsone to talk about disability. We've got Brian Hayes from the Ann Arbor VA and you. So I'm hoping that you will give us a call to uh, answer those questions. It's kind of an unusual year for those of you out there who were on disability pay from the um, Veterans Administration. You got yourself a nice little raise this year, which was, of course, offset by the increased cost of Medicare, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll take whatever we can get. Um, I want to make sure that we thank our sponsors today because, you know, this program is uh, dependent upon our sponsors and you for your support of uh, Veterans Radio. So before we get along, I want to thank our loyal Legal Help for Veterans. The Legal Help for Veterans specializes in veteran disability claims. If you have a question at all about any sort of uh, disability claim, give them a call at 800-693-4800. The National Veterans Business Development Council, better known as NVBDC, is the nation's leading third-party authority for certification of veteran-owned businesses. For more information, you can go to their website. That's nvbdc.org. Remember, if you want to do business with the federal government, you need to be certified. These are the folks to go to, NVBDC. The Charles S. Kettles VA Medical Center here in Ann Arbor. for more information, you can go to the uh, va.gov slash Ann Arbor slash or not slash dash healthcare for more information about the um, healthcare system here in the Ann Arbor area. To learn more about these organizations and their services, as well as how you can support Veterans Radio, uh, Go to our website, veteransradio.net, slash our sponsors. Uh, Veterans Radio is a production of Veterans Radio America, which is a 501c3 nonprofit um, corporation, which means that your uh, donations to the cause uh, may be tax-deductible, which is always good, right? So let's get right into our program. And we're going to start off by talking about VA healthcare first of all. So joining me on the air, first of all, is... Uh, Brian Hayes. And Brian is the public relations director here in Ann Arbor at the Charles S. Kettles VA Health Center. That's a lot of names there, Brian. Uh, <laughs> I just get used to one and they throw in another one.
2: Well, you know, it's the government. We got, you know, we'll, we'll find an acronym for it eventually.
1: I'm sure we will. So, um, I wanted you to uh, introduce you to talk a little bit about What's going on here locally and then I'll have you introduce Matthew and you two can uh, talk about the new program here.
2: Well, you know, we've always got really good things going on at the uh, the VA in Ann Arbor, and uh, you know, we're heading into February. So this month, we want to uh, kind of try to spotlight and call attention to uh, women veterans, and particularly as it relates to heart health. We really would like our women veterans to start having those conversations with their physicians about their hearts. You know, heart disease is the leading cause of death among women in the United States, and so uh, you know, in February we go red for women, and we have uh, you know information and all kinds of things going out about. That. So we want to make sure and, and particularly this year, uh, you know, with all of the, the mental health stuff that's going on that's associated with COVID and how mental health relates to heart health know, stress and anxiety and PTSD and all these things are related to heart health. So, so we just want to call attention to that in February. And also, um, I don't know if you guys have been following this or not, but there's a blood shortage uh, in the United States because folks have been afraid to donate blood. Uh, it is safe to give blood, uh, even if you've had COVID. Uh, so um, you cannot transmit coronavirus through a blood donation. So we're holding um, blood drives at VAs all over the country. Ours will be in March and we'll be hoping to, uh, to get that one quote unquote sold out, have no room, you know, no room at the end for more people because we really want to do a great job and, and, and increase the blood supply. Um, in our healthcare system in the United States. Go to redcrossblood.org red uh, if you wanted to sign up, you know, and you can sign up at whatever location, wherever you are. If you go to redcrossblood.org, uh, there you can uh, sign up for the closest VA, where, you know, whether we're in California or in Detroit or wherever we're heard, uh, folks can do that. Um, and also, you know, we've been talking a lot about new CBOCs coming online. We've been talking a little bit about Canton earlier. Um, Canton, hopefully we'll get the doors open on that Coming up in March and uh, shortly around that time or afterwards, we're, we're, we're actually making some headway on our new Howell clinic, which is just north of Ann Arbor in Livingston County. They've been in need of a clinic of their own there for quite some time. We're getting one done there. That's in the beginning stages of negotiations. So, so we're looking at a couple, three months before that one can come on. So those are some of the things that are going on now, uh, at the VA here in Ann Arbor. Right.
1: Are you aware of our, are... Are there other VA systems around the country? Are they doing the same thing with trying to set up clinics and so forth?
2: Um, yeah, so, you know, wherever it's possible, you know, clinics are being built all over and, uh, you'll be hearing more about those. We, we see it in the news actually, um, you know, following VA news nationally. You see it all the time. There are clinics opening all over the country. People are building Box. Um, I know a brand new medical center is, I think it's in the process of being built in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, you know, so there's, it's, 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 it's a pretty massive expansion for VA.
1: I think that's terrific. I think it's just one, I think it's great. You know, the closer you can, put, no, I mean, the, the closer you can put these facilities to the veterans themselves, it's I mean, so much more helpful to them. And I you know, many of the complaints that, you know, I'm sure you hear and that we've heard is, you know, it's so far. I got to go mm-hmm. from here to there and it, you know, and stay overnight and so mm-hmm. forth. And, um, it's really great that they're, that they're spreading out, I guess, is the term.
2: Well that's it that's it and and growing too in some of our C so for example, like you know uh, a lot of people don't know this, but Toledo is part of our the Toledo- c- c- clinic is part of our uh um catchment area we call it and is actually going through an expansion soon too with more primary care oncology things like that so so you know not only are more clinics being built, but the clinics that already exist are expanding in a lot of ways. That's so, great. I encourage
1: I'd love- our audiences to, I encourage our audiences to check out their local VA and see what's going on with their <sighs> clinics. Uh, for sure. Wherever they are. So, okay. So, Brian, I'm going to ask you, or actually I'll do this myself. I got the chance <laughs> to meet this young man, uh, just earlier. And this week we, we had a little, little chat and his, 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 I'm going to pronounce your name. It's Matthew Rad, right? Matthew? Yeah. Yes. Yes, you got it. Okay. All right. So Matthew is the community engagement and partnership coordinator for the VA Ann Arbor healthcare system, better known as Lieutenant Charles S. Kettles VA Medical Center. And this is a relatively new position. And Matthew, I'm going to let you go and tell us what what is it that you're doing.
3: Yeah. Thanks, Dale. Um, again, just want to express my thanks for having me on. Definitely appreciate it. Um, So this is, uh, this is a new layer to, uh, the suicide prevention programs, um, you know, already bolstered up, you know, clinical side of things. We are the community side of that. And, um, to give a little bit of context about what my role is and what it really means, um, you know, the, the VA roughly about four, four years ago, I think 2018, they came out with a a 10 year plan, um, for, for suicide uh, prevention with their veterans, uh, with overall, you know, goal of ending veteran suicide. And within the plan, um, first, you know, four years, there's a lot of focus on the clinical side of things. So how to bolster internal programs, how to bolster the clinical approach, uh, implement all sorts of different programs to identify, you know, veterans that might be at risk of suicide to provide them treatment to engage. Um, and they've done a lot of great things in that realm. And, and recently now, within the last year, they've rolled out um, our positions, these community engagement positions. And and sort of um, this new layer now is kind of the second half of their full public health approach to suicide prevention. Um, so we are um, primarily looking to um, engage community members, organizations, different stakeholders on a – on a local and community level to kind of move this mission forward. Um, so we're going to do that uh, hopefully through the creation of partnerships and coalitions. And, and that's what we're doing. And this is all done on a County level. So, um, you know, throughout Michigan, we have uh, these positions rolled out, um, which cover all parts of the state, including the UP. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're definitely, and they're rolling these out nationwide. So, it's kind of exciting. It's it's been great work to kind of be a part of so far. The very the very cool thing too is that um, anybody can be a part of this. So you do not have to be uh, any you know big conglomerate or, or part of a big organization. If you are in your community and you have an interest in helping veterans, um, you know you can be a part of these coalitions. And um, and like I said, they've rolled out um, a lot of these positions nationwide. They're continuing to do that. Um, so that's kind of a little bit about what we do.
1: Now, so are you working, uh, with the existing county officials and, and state veterans organizations? Yeah.
3: So we really try to engage everybody we can. Um, so as far as, you know, you know part of the premise of, of this work is that suicide prevention is really everyone's business you know and and that it is not just um you know the va's business or uh the community mental health business you know this is truly the philosophy is we can't do this alone um you know i think that there's recognition of that and it's really going to take that full public health approach to have an impact on on the numbers so um i i always hesitate when i say numbers too because if there's anybody listening here who has lost a single person in their life or has known anybody that's died by suicide, we know that one's too many. And so what we're trying to do is definitely make an impact on that. And hopefully with the goal of reducing that. So to answer your question, um, yeah, there's absolutely engagement on all levels. So from, you know, the local community mental health to local healthcare facilities, to, to gun shops, to restaurants, to everybody, you know, wherever the touch points are in the community. Um, So it's, and that's what's kind of exciting to me about this work. We've, we've, you know, rolled out a few of these coalitions here within the 19 counties that we cover here in Michigan and Ann Arbor. Um, and there's been some great response from lots of folks in the community. There's been lots of support. Um, so we're encouraged by that, of course, and we definitely want to see that expand and, uh, and flourish really because this is fertile ground where maybe historically, the VA hasn't maybe been the greatest that, you know, reaching outside of the silos and into the community to try to engage them, um, and to try to collaborate. So this is kind of very exciting. And so far we've had pretty good responses with that.
1: That's good. So are, are you just responsible for the, the Ann Arbor VA? And then there's somebody just like you over in Detroit and out in Battle Creek and Saginaw and the, all the other VAs across the country.
3: That's correct. Yeah. So, um, here we have our catchment area with the Ann Arbor VA, which covers 19 counties, um, a lot of the surrounding counties of Washington, and then some northern counties of Ohio. Um, and then, as you said, you know, there's uh, folks that cover different catchment areas and so forth, you know, nationwide. So um, what I will say is if anyone's listening and they want to be involved and they're wondering, well, how, how do I even get in touch with somebody, I would just tell you to call your local medical center, VA, the closest uh, VA medical center to you. Ask to talk with somebody on a suicide prevention team, and let them know that you're interested in um, working with the coalition for this goal. Um, so, to expand a little more, too, uh, on our role in our roles, we're trying to really kind of focus on uh, three priority areas, and that is um, helping to identify service members, veterans, and their families in increasing and uh, in screening for the risk for suicide, uh, promoting connectedness, and improving care transitions for our veterans and increasing lethal mean safety uh, and safety planning. And if I could just take a quick minute to explain that, because it sounds maybe pretty concise, but the old saying is, you know, we don't know, you don't know what you don't know, but we also don't know who we don't know. So when we are looking at um, having an impact on this, we know that 65% of veterans that do die by suicide haven't received care at the VA. And so this is why some of this work is so important, because we know that, You know, people are living and breathing and all about in the community and and are going to different places and maybe even going to other places for their care, which is fine. So we know that we want to definitely do what we can to reach out to those that aren't even getting care at the VA so we can try to have an impact. And that's where really that identification piece comes in. Um, Furthermore, um, the importance of connectedness um, really, I mean, is an important thing as far as being a protective factor for suicide. So we know that when veterans are connected to their communities, when they're connected to their families, to their friends, um, to their faith-based groups, we know that that serves as a very, very big protective factor. So we want to do what we can to promote that. And then, um, lastly, is increasing lethal means safety and safety planning. So lots of efforts are underway to um, to improve um, keeping environments safe. You know, if somebody is not doing well, um, to provide and engage the family. And there's lots of efforts being made on this uh, realm where we know there's a crucial window, window there of about 20 minutes to an hour where if somebody has decided to take their life, that, that's usually the time frame in which somebody acts on that thought. So we know that putting time and distance between that thought and uh, their lethal method is going to go a tremendous uh, way to promoting a good outcome. So these are the focus areas that we are looking to kind of uh, work on within those coalitions.
1: Well, I think it's a great, great program, and I'm excited to hear about it. And I can't wait to see all your posters up all over the place and, you know, public service announcements and everything else to get people um, motivated to help out. I was just thinking, I was looking at an American Legion magazine earlier today, and, uh, you know, they have their buddy-to-buddy program. You know, check in on your buddies every once in a while just to make sure everybody's doing Okay. And I think that that's really important. And this seems like it'd be something that could work really well with that idea. And as as you pointed out, just the idea of checking in on people, um, you know, during this whole COVID thing, everybody's feeling pretty isolated anyway. And, you know, some of us have our minds are turned to mush and, you know, it's, it's, you know, when some people don't get out any longer and we've got to encourage, um, conversations with friends so i'm i encourage everybody if they can to just even if you reach out to one veteran over the next week this will be my challenge to everybody go out and reach out to a veteran you haven't talked to in quite a while and just check and see how they're doing Uh, i think that would be very helpful i know brian did you have anything else you
2: wanted to add no, I think, I think Matt covered it perfectly. It's a wonderful program that's relatively new, uh, to VA. Um, you know, we we've always had suicide prevention coordinators, but they're more on the clinical side, less on the outreach side, more, you know, we hear about a veteran who's in need. They reach out, they make the connection, they do that process. But, uh, you know, Matt's part of a program where we're actually actively, proactively going out into the community and saying, look, this is everybody's problem, you know, and it's really not just, and while our concern is veterans, it's really not just a veteran problem. We know that suicide is up among first responders. We know it's up among, you know, healthcare workers. We know it's a problem right now, you know, nationally among a lot of different populations. Um, you know, like I said, our concern for this program is veterans, but I think it's going to go a long way to uh, helping reduce those numbers, you know, and help, sa- help save a life, you know.
1: I think it's a great program. Is there anything going on at the VA that we need to know about as far as uh, COVID is concerned? Any new or exciting happening with that?
2: Um, not necessarily new. You know, we're still uh, restricting visitors. So it's really just a matter, you know, it's just about, you know, the, the patients themselves uh and their caregivers coming into the facility i know a lot of places are are open and they're kind of relaxing a lot of restrictions but you got to remember a medical center is a place where sick people go so there's people that are already sort of compromised that are in the building that we just need to make sure that we continue to protect our veterans and also our staff, you know. So so those restrictions are still in place. Masking of course is still required, all that sort of thing. And um, you know, we'll be probably talking down the road about a fourth booster. Uh that's something for immunocom especially for immunocompromised folks. Uh but other than that, no, it's it's steady as she goes and and um you know we're actually this week uh, I'm, I, I can't quote the numbers to you specifically because I don't have them in front of me, but I know our, our numbers are going down, which is great as far as the number of hospitalizations, numbers of deaths, that sort of thing. So, so, you know, we're cautiously hopeful that we may see light at the end of the tunnel with this pandemic you know the omicron uh variant was weaker and uh, you know the next there will be another variant i think they're already talking about that called b2 or something like that uh that'll be even weaker than omicron and uh, it'll be you know more transmissible but you won't get as sick so that's the thing and the key again still uh, even though the viruses are weaker, the people that are doing really well, even though they catch COVID, are the people who are vaccinated. So please, 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 if you have the chance, get yourself vaccinated. It's free.
1: And at the VA, and you can also get tested at the VA,
2: right? That's right. That's right. We have a drive through
1: <laughs> oh, I, I went through that. <laughs> it was very, uh, very efficient
2: well it's part of it's it's part of removing as many barriers as we can to people getting get you know taking care of themselves and getting what they need whether it be a vaccine or or getting tested uh you know to check for for covid so so like i said hopefully um, we're we're optimistic but hopefully we'll see an end to this thing maybe we'll be we'll all see some sort of normality by by may or june
1: yeah, that, that would be great. I got a, um before you guys go, I want to read this to you. I got this forwarded to me by a veteran group, and it was a letter to the editor in the, I uh, can't tell. It looks like it's from the American Legion magazine, but I think this is very powerful, so I'm going to read it directly if I can. It says, to my fellow veterans, I hear a lot about how many of you are resisting the COVID-19 vaccine. I see veterans refusing to wear the basic medical defense, a mask, in RVA VA hospital. Frankly, I am appalled as well as frightened. Like many of you, I wear the scars of serving in combat. Most in my case are physical. Worse, they put me in the high risk category for catching, well, virtually anything. Living with one functional lung and serious cardiac challenges as a result of defoliants in South Vietnam, I am one of those who are, who with serious, okay, <laughs> comorbidities. There we go. That mean exposure to SARS-CoV-2 uh, would be serious, if not deadly. Where is the risk? Where is that risk greatest for me? The very facility I depend upon to sustain myself. RVA hospital, where I am among the largest number of people. That is where I depend on you to look out for me and all our veteran brothers and sisters. You do that by doing the very things you did during your military service. No questions asked. Whether in Vietnam, Korea, or the desert, you took your job seriously. You looked out for the weakest among us. You got your vaccinations and you wore the prescribed combat uniform, along with all the equipment you needed to stay safe and protect your fellow soldiers. Today, you need to step up and do the same. That's from a gentleman from North Carolina. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I hope that everybody is watching out for your buddies. Yeah, that's, that's all it's about. You know, we were
2: all trained to do that at one point. I'm a veteran, too, Dale. You know that we were all trained to do that. It's embedded in our DNA. And, uh uh, you know, let's not forget that now. Now's not the time to forget that training.
1: Uh, nope, not at all. So anyway, I want to thank you both. Matthew Red, Brian Hayes from the Ann Arbor VA Medical Center, Lieutenant Colonel Charles S. Kettles VA Medical Center. <laughs> And I encourage you all to check out this program that they've got going out there, for suicide Prevention. I do want to remind everybody that if you know of anybody that is in crisis, that they can call the Veterans Crisis Line. And that is 1-800-273-8255. Press the number 1. 800-273-8255. Press the number 1. Or you can text 838255. Take care of yourselves. Thank you, gentlemen, very
4: much.
2: Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Dale. Take care.
4: Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Matthew. See you,
2: Carol Ann. See you next month.
4: Bye-bye. Bye. All right. We
1: are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we've got General Carol Ann Falsone here from Legal Help for Veterans to answer any questions you have about disability through the VA. So uh, stick around. You're listening to Veterans Radio, and we will be right back.
0: The Medal of Honor is the highest award for valor in combat given a member of the Armed Forces of the United States. There have been over 3,400 recipients of the nation's highest award. This is one of them. Technician 5th grade Lewis Hall ignored orders to withdraw from his position and continued firing a machine gun until he was killed. Details after this. If you have a VA claim denied by the Board of Veterans' Appeals, contact Legal Help for Veterans at 1-800-693-4800. They're experts in handling cases before the U.S. Court of Appeals for Veterans' Claims. Their number again, 1-800-693-4800. They came from every corner of the country, from small towns and big cities. But they all shared one thing in common. They belonged to a family called Marines. A tough and determined few dedicated to protecting everything we hold sacred. And still, they come. Celebrate the history of those proud few who have earned the title Marine. As leader of a machine gun squad charged with the protection of other battalion units, Hall's group was attacked by a superior number of Japanese. His gunner was killed, his assistant gunner was wounded, and an adjoining gun crew put out of action. Ordered to withdraw from his hazardous position, he refused to retire, but rushed forward to the idle gun. Another soldier joined him, and held the machine gun up by the tripod to increase its field of action. Hall opened fire and inflicted heavy casualties upon the enemy. While so engaged, both soldiers were killed, but their sturdy defense was a decisive factor in the following success of the attacking battalion. The Medal of Honor series is a production of Veterans Radio.
2: Military veterans touch everyone's life. I'm guessing right now you're thinking of a veteran, a close friend, relative, maybe it's you. Even the toughest of us sometimes need help but don't know where to turn for support. You don't need special training to help a veteran in your life. We can all help someone going through a difficult time. Learn how you can be there for veterans. Visit VeteransCrisisLine.net. VeteransCrisisLine.net. A message from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. back
1: here on Veterans Radio, and it is our benefits program, the last Sunday of every month. And as I reminded everybody, here in the local Ann Arbor area, you can give us a call at 734-822-1600. For those of you that are listening to us and some of our other affiliates out there and you're not listening live, um, we have our benefits program every Sunday. Not every Sunday. <laughs> we could, though. Um, the last Sunday of every month where we try to answer all of your questions regarding uh, VA healthcare and uh, the VA disability program that is out there. So if uh, you think about any issues that you may have, please send me an email. That's dale at veteransradio.net, and I will forward it on to our experts and put it on our list to discuss next month here on our, our uh, benefits program. So joining me on the air right now after a three-month almost sabbatical, it seems like, uh breaking the action is a retired air force uh brigadier general carolyn
4: Carol carolyn welcome back thanks dale and happy new year to all of our veterans but you know you've said it a couple times um if you get a question or if you get an issue from a veteran um we don't wait from month to month you will forward it to either michael or i and uh we try to address those issues and we talk to our every single day with issues and so i really want to encourage everybody that if you're having an issue you don't want to talk on the air about it please send dale an email we'll get back to you rapidly um try to discuss um your situation with you so that we could help you and your family uh deal with the issue that you're you know you're you're struggling with
1: Right. There's a lot of people struggling out there right now, unfortunately. Um, I, I guess I was going to ask if there's anything new that has come about, uh, you know, since the beginning of the year, other than the increase in the disability benefits um, that came, went into effect in January, which is pretty good, 4.9%, but you know, that's offset by other things, but. Sure.
4: Um You know, I think we're trying to stay proactive because as we get um, information and all of us have seen around the country that, for instance, we've talked about it a couple months in a row. The mail delivery is so much slower. Um, but if our veterans get any information, we like them to call us. And I would encourage all of the, um, all of our veterans out there, if they're dealing with a veteran service organization, they get a piece of mail, they hear an information from their provider. Please contact. Um, whether it's legal help for veterans or a VSO, because all that information feeds in to help us. We check out on the computer system um, all of our veterans' information. But it's really hard to go in daily and check, you know, thousands of files. So if we have some information, you got mail, you know, let us know. We'll look into it. And, uh, we'll try to make sure that whether you got a disability benefit, if you got a denial, if something is going on, that we're responding in the appropriate amount of time. So the, the mail delay is still going on. Um, we've been notified through the VA. Um, and so, you know, we're just trying to stay proactive and think of different ways to get the information Back to our veterans, we do wellness checks. Um, we call all of our veterans every couple months. You're in a cycle, um, unless you know you've got something really major going on that we're talking to you daily. So we try to stay in touch. I think that's a critical, you know, word with family, um, the veteran, to call us and tell us what's what's happening and what you need assistance with. Um, it was great to hear from Brian and Matthew, because I want to tell you, this this mental health issue, particularly with COVID, as people are by themselves, um, they don't have family around in the area, or um, they have no family, um, this becomes a, big, a bigger issue, not only for our veterans, But us as a community, Dale, and so um, very right on, um, I think the VA's posture with this new position, interfacing with the community, um, is very, very important.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about that when Matthew was talking about it, about these organizations out there. I can't remember what they call them now, but, um, you know, they had the, not Pathfinders or something like that, some other organizations that, you know, that are trying to, Maintain contact with veterans, especially those that don't have family or anywhere yeah. nearby, so you can keep track of them. Yes. And, you know, make sure um, that they're safe.
4: The coalitions, you know, the the, uh, the faith based uh, tend to do a, a, a really good job. And, you know, it, at the VA, they know they're in catchment area and they know the people they deal with. But this is a great interface with the community because. Most communities around the country are dealing with mental health issues, and if we could collaborate, um, I think we're going to be better off for it, utilizing some great resources to help um, not only our veterans, but also other citizens in the community.
1: Um, I couldn't agree more. I could not not agree more with you, because not everybody out there that's you know suffering from you know any any mental health issue and they're not all veterans and you know veterans right now are kind of out of the news because we're not in all these you know we're not in all these conflicts that we you know that we're aware of i mean there's you know the build up in outside of the Ukraine and that kind of stuff but there's not that focus on veterans right now, and so we have to keep our eyes open um on our own, yes to make sure that they are being protected as well. Uh, the couple of questions that I did get, uh, Caroline, we were talking with Caroline Falsone, who is about this far away from becoming a VSO. I know she's passed her tests and, and everything. Uh, she is affiliated with Legal Help for Veterans, who is, and has been a sponsor of Veterans Radio for forever, thank goodness. And, um, have always helped us out. So, um, the question I have, and I guess maybe it's the mail issue or not, was, I, it was from somebody who said that, um, how long does it take normally uh, once a, a veteran dies for the family to be notified of whether they are qualified for DIC, and I'll have you explain what DIC is, and when, when should they expect to receive that, and even their flag?
4: Okay. Well, the interesting thing is um, everything, just like if you're a veteran, and I think we've been over this many times, um, veterans are surprised when they're in the VA system, they're receiving care, but they never get a disability rating and they never get a disability benefit. And the question is, why am I not getting that, you know, 10 percent, 30 percent like you might get if you were in Vietnam? Well, you must apply. Nothing is automatic. So it's just not that you served, you were in Vietnam, you were a helicopter pilot, you were exposed, oh, we're going to give you this disability. You must apply through either, either an organization, a veteran service organization, do it yourself, but you've got to apply for the benefit and walk through the process. That is the same for even applying for burial benefits. Um and DIC. So let's, let's do the one. If somebody, if there is a death of a veteran, what I, we've, we've talked about before, um, as you're preparing and hopefully people prepare ahead of time, you go to a funeral, um, director. You, you're looking at where you're going to be buried of uh, those burial arrangements. Um, ask if that funeral home has exposure to the veteran benefits, if they know um, what the family is entitled to, because at the time of death, the most of the time, the funeral home, um, as they prepare the paperwork, will send in all of the information um, for the flag, um, you know, uh, the certificate, the presidential certificate, um, the, the burial marker, um and so that should happen through the veteran uh through the funeral home now could a family apply on their own the answer is absolutely yes and i've got an ebook out there um through legal help for veterans to tell a family step by step how you apply for you know all of that um i think i'm just going to say this because people don't realize it at the time of death um um with an honorable discharge and having your DD-214, you select where you're gonna be buried, whether in a national cemetery, in a private cemetery. If you're entitled to honors, um, having those um, benefits at the time of your burial, um, you could only have like taps and the gun salute in one location. So if you do it at the funeral home or at the church, by the time you get to the national cemetery, you can't duplicate that again. So you select one place that you're going to do the official honors, um, for, the, for that veteran. So I, I just want to reiterate that again, but Dale, you have to apply for those, for those benefits. So it just doesn't happen automatically.
1: Well, I, my favorite one was when they, when I was at the VA and I had my hearing tested and they, they said, well, you need hearing aids. And so I got the hearing aids and then I, I got a zero rating on hearing loss. So I could I'm still, I know we're still working on that one. Uh, what is that all about? Uh, what is, what exactly is, is, uh, DIC is dependent?
4: Okay, and so, uh, but you just brought up another point. So oh, okay. I will get the DIC, but when you said, what is that? But the fact that you went and had an exam through the VA, somebody said it, sent in an application that got you the exam. And so they were checking out your hearing, um, which entitled you then, even though you got a 0%. Now that 0%, believe it or not, is very, very significant. It's not associated for you with money yet, um, monthly, but you did get your hearing aids, yes. which is great. Um, but that 0% says that the VA acknowledges that the reason you have the hearing loss is because of your military service. So 0% service-connected um, is is unbelievable. So down the line, if your hearing even gets worse, okay, then you could be retested, and you potentially could go out and get the ten percent um, because of your uh, readings and um, how your hearing deteriorates. Okay, so let me explain DIC. DIC is um death indemnity compensation or a death indemnity claim. That occurs when I could give you a, a good example. Um, a veteran is um let's say Vietnam veteran, Agent Orange, he's had cardiac problems, prostate cancer, maybe ALS, um, um, and in sundry of um presumptive illnesses, he definitely had Agent Orange his cause of death was because of his service. Um, because he died, the spouse, and only the spouse could apply. So she would need, or he, in my case, would have somebody um, send in, apply with the paperwork for this DIC um, benefit. And it would go through the same process that a veteran goes through um to have the claim um adjudicated and to go through it. it might not be very quick it could be you know beyond a year but we put in for it and um and then we we see um what the ruling is and uh most of the time you know the uh, the um the ruling will come down and if it's approved then the the spouse the widow will get um um DIC and they'll get a um i want to say even back pay so when it was uh, retroactive yes retroactive and then um they will get an amount of money depending on uh the presumptives and everything that happened. It's not one set of monies. Um, it depends on you know the veteran, the era, um, the the whole story for the veteran. Right. I was I was
1: doing some reading on that when I got the question, and I you know there are there are add-ons for you know if if the veteran died of a service-connected, if they were 100 percent disabled, if they were you know this this and this. So there are a lot of eyes to be dotted, in, yes. in order for these, you know, for this benefit to be. I, 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 I didn't even think about it taking, you know, taking the same amount of time that a disability claim might take, of a year, and but then everything is retroactive back to that time period. Yes,
4: and and it, um, you know, it's rather extensive. And you brought up another point: the hundred um, percent. You know, the other critical thing that for a spouse is. Um you put in a claim, and I think we've said this, and it breaks my heart when I found a widow that didn't know that within the year of death they need to come and find somebody to re you know, to do what is called a substitution. So the veteran dies. There are claims at the VA um, that hadn't been um decided yet. Well, within a year that is called putting in a substitution claim. So on the veteran's name, the spouse, the widow now, would go in there, so it would be David slash Sarah, and that could be, um, that would be adjudicated, and that claim continues on as if the veteran was still living. And I think that's critical, but that has to be done within a year, or the claim dies after a year.
1: Okay, so in other words, if I'm, if I'm diagnosed with some Agent Orange terrible thing and I die while my claim is being processed, yes, my wife has the right within a year to substitute her name basically for mine.
4: She's got to apply for it. Now, she's got to do the substitution, work through whether a VSO or Legal Help for Veterans. Get help. As yes. We submit all of that, get the paperwork and and now her name with you attached as the veteran, and it goes forward. But if that doesn't happen, the claim dies after a year. Okay. And that's really sad sometimes because sometimes these claims are out there five and six years um, and, um, cause we keep going back. If you get a denial on something, if it gets, you know, uh, progressively worse, um, you might be sitting at a 30%. We go back and, and get something else. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, and there's no percentage that says, oh, you have to be a hundred percent or, you know, whatever, but we really encourage encourage um, the widow then to speak up um, about the, um, the the claims. Okay, I just got a question. Um, what is the
1: difference between what is the difference between 100% unemployable and just regular hundred
4: percent? okay um, well there's a couple different ways to explain unemployability. Um, sometimes, and um, a good thing is, let's say um, a veteran is at 70% or 60%, depending on your rulings, um, if you are unable to work, you could go to your VSO or Legal Hub for Veterans, and we could put in for you um, TDIU, uh, Temporary Duty Unemployability. And we could get you up to a 100% as long as you meet the criteria under the ruling. So if you're at 70% or greater or have one disability rating that's at 60%, so you, you need at least with the 70%, you need at least one rating that's 40% and you're unemployable. We could go after you're at home, you're unable to work, um, let's say you have PTSD. Um, you've maybe have cardiac and hearing, and but your your PTSD is is forty percent. Um, you can't work at all. We could put in for unemployability, and we could get you up to hundred percent. So does that make any sense? Or we've got veterans that are a hundred percent all on their own. Um, and sometimes the VA, if we say, okay, you're at a hundred percent Dale, um, you can't work and we'll say, well, the veteran will say, well, I want employability. And The VA will say, it doesn't make any sense. You're already at a hundred percent.
1: Yeah. I, I know it's like I have a, a, a relative who, who all of his injuries and things from being a an army ranger were up in the two hundred percent level, and he right. still only gets a hundred percent. Correct. Um, so so this is something that that you have to be pretty highly rated already. I mean, as far as you know, before you can go to the unemployable part, it's yes. it's very confusing It's it's a little confusing, and again, yes. this is one of the reasons why we bring you on. And people like Michael and any other yes. BSO out there will know right. how to handle these claims right. and, and questions. And you know, I would say yes. you know, I always encourage our listeners to talk to people like you because, you know, we don't know. This is it's, this was not part of our basic training or they did not give us <laughs> this information when we got out of the service. Oh, by the way, you know, you may be entitled to something here. Right. Um, I, I think that that's really important. And I saw another thing. This was somebody who was actually still in active duty. Where did it go? Oh, I had it marked, and now I've it came out. Um, was that, uh, you can get, here it is, uh, VA Survivors Independence
4: Educational Assistance. You familiar with that? Yeah, well, see, I think the beautiful thing is that person um, is probably, let, let me do a scenario. If that individual is on active duty, and they have faced some medical issues, I would highly encourage them, if they're being evaluated, um, an MEB board, medical evaluation board, that they be medically discharged. What they sometimes will do is um, then give you the benefits for education so that you could Either change your profession, or get into the VOC rehab, where you're, you know, you're training for another profession. You're going through an education, um, and so the remember the yellow ribbon program several years ago when our veterans would get out, they were going on for their masters, going maybe to business school. Um, So if you're not able to continue on in your field, you might be able to get into another field and still, um, you know, provide for your family and also be reeducated. The VA, not the VA, DOD now, because that's a separate hub, Department of Defense will um, also combine with VA to give you some of those education benefits.
1: Yeah, the, the, the question which I thought was really interesting was it said, I am a retired Army veteran of 20 years and VN, VA rated 100% permanently and total, totally disabled. Is it his wife wants to enroll in school to become a nurse, but due to my disability, she will not be able to focus on school full time. Is there a VA educational program for which she may qualify? And uh, the, the answer that came back, uh, this is from, which one is this? American Legion magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says that your your wife may may underlined that's always a big thing in a lot right. of these questions right. may qualify for survivors' independence educational assistance chapter thirty five chapter uh, thirty five. This benefit allows dependents to complete an education program within ten years from the time the veteran has de- was declared one hundred percent permanent and totally disabled.
4: But that see that is another special um indication with a family but you've got to ask the questions can i apply for this is my wife entitled to this i'm 100% total and permanent um i'm tdiu and so whoever helps it, him or her get that benefit they should go back it's the same with special monthly compensation if you feel you're not making it you've got um you're at a hundred it, it you're at a hundred percent and you're having difficulties um maintaining your health care has gotten worse, um you need extra assistance, um you could go back and potentially you might be eligible for special monthly compensation. But you gotta ask the VA, you know, we don't have these genies out there that say we're gonna deem you to get more monies or um you know this this benefit you have to ask it goes all the way back to the, whether it's DIC burial benefits it doesn't matter so they're not they I don't want to, I don't
1: want to make the VA sound like they're terrible no, they're, no, not no. Gonna, they're not they're not going to volunteer information until yes. you get to ask them yes and I, and I know that legal help and a, and a number of other um veteran service organizations out there have uh, additional materials that you could, you know, people could look up things. You mentioned you had some ebooks on the Legal Help site.
4: Well, if you go to um, our, our website, Legal Help for Veterans, I, I think what's out there are like 21 podcasts, um, very similar to podcasts. They're called the ebooks. Mm-hmm. on different topics. Um, one of the biggest ones recently Dale, that um so several years ago I did one you talked about 100% I did an ebook because I think this is really important for um, the tax exemption. So if you're 100% and you've got own a home, you could get the property tax, you know, um, the abatement for you and should you die, that's a benefit for you know, the widow now, um, she could keep going on and be tax free. So I started to look at that and update it to find out um, with one of our veterans in Florida, I went to the tax collector with him when I was down there. And to go to find out, Florida and four other states will start to give you money on your taxes at 10%. So then that got me curious and I updated that ebook that, you know, um, there is a state that it's sixty percent. Um, now Michigan is only a hundred percent, so sorry, Michigan veterans, but um there are some states that are at 40%, some are at 30. Um, and so then if you're at 30 percent going up the chain, you get more tax relief. And so I think that's really significant.
1: Oh, oh, I'm I'm sorry. It's based on your your disability rating. Yes.
4: Oh yes. That's so in Florida, if you're 10% or greater, they're gonna give you a discount, let me say it that way, on your taxes.
1: Okay. And every, and every state is different. So again, this every is state I'm is different fine. and the
4: majority of our states in the country, um, are at hundred percent, but there must be 20 that has all these different variations. And, um, so that's in the tax exempt book. Um, so, um, please go out there and look, they're all free. It's one on hearing Dale that, um, that will explain hearing and burial benefits. And so, um, to our listeners and DIC. So they're all. Well,
1: I, I think it's, 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 it's so helpful. And I, I know we always get a really good response to this program. And I want to thank you. And, uh, hopefully, you know, Michael will, will be back next, next month and uh, we'll be able to answer more of your questions. So again, I encourage everybody, if you have a question, let us know. It's just like getting your benefits. You're not going to get them unless you ask for them. And these people and the people in your area around the country, these VSOs for all the various service organizations and there are many uh, legal law firms out there that are out there to help veterans, check them out. Find out if they can help you. And because no matter, I mean, if you stubbed your toe and your toe is out of joint and broken and never work again, that could be a disability For you. Um, I know somebody who hurt their back in in basic training, and um, you never know. I mean, it's just, you know, the stuff that you've been exposed to, um, not just the people shooting at you or or (laughs) all those terrible things, but even just the uh, environment that you were in um, caused problems that most, you know, most people aren't exposed to. So I would encourage you to contact a a local VSO or contact us and we'll put you in touch with a local VSO that can help you. VSO is Veteran Service Organization and uh, that's our goal is to help you all as much as we possibly can. So Caroline, I want to thank you very much for being our our expert for the day.
4: Thank you for what you're doing and thank you, Derek.
1: All right, thank you. Thanks very much. All right, folks. We have another Veterans Radio that we're uh, done with for today, but we encourage you, please follow us on um, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Go to our website. We've got over 900 programs that are uploaded there now, and our podcasts that go out every Monday and Tuesday for you to listen to. So please. Let us know what you want, what kind of stories you want, what kind of information you want, and we will follow up on it and give you the best we can. We like to think of Veterans Radio as the voice of America's veterans, and we encourage you to let us know and contact us, and we will do that. We promise. We will do that for you. So until next week, this is Dale Throneberry for Veterans Radio, and you are dismissed.